because I do believe in, you know, curiosity and, and giving grace because bias is a part of all of our lives. Mm -hmm. And we have all had experiences where we are really intentional and we think we're doing the best thing possible, but that is not received on the opposite end. And so leaning into first sharing with that clinician, you don't hear me. I don't feel like you're listening to me because that is currently the client, the, the landscape for a lot of individuals seeking care. Now, if you still are not being heard or seen, I encourage my patients to say, tell me why you decided this diagnosis. Tell mm -hmm. me why you've decided this treatment plan and, and, and get, and be able to get the information of what was ruled in and what was ruled out, because I think that is powerful for the patient. And if you still are not being heard, that's when I encourage you, of course, to continue to seek care, but we need to invest in clinicians really having a, internal look at their own bias because we all have it. And mm -hmm. that really um, is disruptive or prohibitive to being able to achieve health equity. This is Inspiring Women. And today I'm talking with Dr. Bayo Curry Winchell, Dr. BCW. And I am really excited about this conversation because in addition for Dr. BCW being an internal medicine physician and urgent care medical director, she is a prominent voice, a trusted physician voice, really spending a lot of time advocating on behalf of her patients uh, as because because she is a physician, ensuring that trusted information gets out to a wide audience as possible for one purpose, saving lives. Dr. BCW, thank you for being on Inspiring Women. Thank you, Lori, for having me. It is such a honor and pleasure to be with you. Well, likewise. And, um, you know, we were talking earlier, you are quite the influencer. And while, you know, for someone like me, who is not like, you know, this social media uh, person as you are, it's more than that. It's important work and it's important work for a reason. You have talked about how for women, uh, not just women, but for people who are in underserved communities, the level of trust in the healthcare system system isn't there. Before we touch on that important topic, let's talk a little bit about you. So you started as a physician and then you became this loud, long needed voice to be an advocate. Give us a little bit of the bio sketch in terms of how you got there. Well, I, I love this question because, you know, I always love to know why people do what they do. And so, as you mentioned, you know, I'm a family medicine physician, I'm a practicing physician, and I always like to lead with that, that I see patients. And so whatever I speak about is lived in authenticity um, and real lived experience. So family medicine physician, I'm a medical director for a couple of hospital systems, including the medical director for the sexual assault response team. But through all of that, I have to, I, I love to highlight that my love and passion is health equity and health literacy and finding new ways to deliver healthcare beyond the traditional norm. And so who would have thought my last name or my initials would have really reflected the type of care that I believe in, which is beyond clinical walls or BCW. And so through that, I've been able to see patients in the clinic, also been able to 
participate in amazing platforms such as doing two TEDx, really highlighting different topics, as well as writing for multiple publications. But I always love to share the reason why I have this voice that you mentioned in this advocacy. And all credit goes to my father, William Curry. He was a 99-year-old World War II Korean and Vietnam War veteran. And Lori, I grew up as a kiddo. As a child, I grew up going to rallies, holding signs. I had no idea what I was standing up for, but I knew I was standing up for something. And so this level of advocacy has been a part of my fabric since I was small. And so this, although, you know, now more people have been able to see it, I've been doing this for my entire life. And so it has been such an honor to, you know, credit him. And, and I'm so grateful for what he instilled in me that I get to put forward in others, because he would always say, bio, the world is bigger than you. Think of one thing you can do each day to give back. And he recently passed away, but he is <laughs> still so alive within me. And you can see his hat right behind me. And I, I, I include him in all of my work because I think when we think about advocacy and, and giving back, there's always that one thing that I think is true to someone's core. And it's important that I always highlight him. You know, um, there's something really meaningful that today we are talking together on the first day of Black History Month. Um, it is, I'm sorry about the passing of your father, um, but wow, what a way to honor him in terms of what he has instilled in you to take not just your work as public health, as a physician, but to be that fierce advocate um, I can see you as that girl in the rallies holding the signs before you knew. That's um, amazing. What a way to, to open. Let's talk about when it was important for you to be more than the important work of being a physician and to be a very public facing advocate um, that you have been. Was that a one day or has that been since the beginning um, that you decided that you needed to start talking publicly about the issues that you speak about? It's been since the beginning, but it's grown even stronger. And so it started with, especially in medical school, where I, you know, had the privilege of learning all of this amazing information, but I always felt like it wasn't delivered in a way or delivered to patients in a way that was digestible in a way that I really felt like I could make an impact. And so through that, I thought about what can I create that shares the information that I know, but helps people. And so through that, I created Beyond Clinical Walls, this video and podcast series. And so writing about a wide variety of health topics that always infuses health equity within it, but mm -hmm. provides not only awareness and advocacy, but I pride myself on solutions because we know there's a lot of things out there that it's, you know, really hard to, to combat, but what can you do? And I think that's what I do even with my patients. When I see them, I share this information and it's never about talking at someone. It's about sharing the information. So whether you see me in the clinic or you see my videos or any of the things that I have the opportunities to do, it's about sharing that 
that information, crafting it in a way that is disarming, helpful, and solution oriented. And so it's just continued to grow. And I'll give you a little also some behind the scenes. So Beyond Clinical Wells is a small but mighty team. And that team is myself, and my husband. <laughs> so he's a full-time engineer for um, a, a company, but he learned a couple of years ago after me stating, I want to be able to give more and do more, how to do videos on YouTube. And so he just immersed himself in it. He learned. And when you see the videos, you know, I'm writing all of my own content and he puts together these diverse images that really just put the story as well as the information together in a beautiful two minutes or less package. And yeah. so we do this at 1 a.m. And we're, this is separate than the hospital systems that I'm a part of. It is our own. And it has been such a pleasure and joy to deliver healthcare in the way that I wanted to deliver and the reason why I became a physician. So it's, it's uh, important. To, and, and let's just talk about, um, you know, like, so first of all, being able to put content together in a way that is digestible is like, you, know, you can tell that you let you have a passion for it. I can see the creativity and the innovation uh, behind it. And that all sounds really fun. We talk about snackable content, you know, in terms of what needs to be consumed. Let's talk about why it's so important. Okay. It's more than just being the influencer voice. Can you just comment on health literacy? Like how bad is it really? What does it mean to be not health literate? And what does it mean to the person who needs that information? So when we talk about health literacy, we have to talk about how it means, as you mentioned, different things for different people. And so writing the content from a new perspective, a new lens, thinking about if I was a patient, how would I want to hear this information? What things are really not out there in respect to those diseases? And writing it in a way that's disarming and making it just bite-sized. But, you know, often we hear about diseases, but there's not a layer of how to inform yourself, how to advocate for yourself as a patient. And I think that's the part that's missing when we talk about health literacy. And we're also missing representation. And that's yep. the reason why also I do this to your point. You know, you don't see someone of color like me out there giving this information. And we, we really need to focus on how it can change health outcomes, how it can build trust. All of those things that we are struggling with right now, if we invested in those areas, we could really make strides with health literacy because you can have access, you can have all of these things, but without the education and the education that people feel is trusted, is yep. in a way that they can really digest, you can't make progress. So that's what I do. I, I come from a new perspective with each topic. Well, it, and when, when I think when people hear um, like health literacy, health illiteracy, they often think about it in, in the um, vein of it is the patient's issue that just doesn't understand the voice, the physician. It is, you know, it's, it's multifactorial. So when you just look at the fact that black and brown individuals have mistrust, and then you add the fact, if you have intersectionalities, you're a woman, which we know women tend to be dismissed as well, how that all 
all culminates into a lack of literacy because you're not able to get it or a lack of trust and poor health outcomes. Mm -hmm. And I share with my patients, I share whenever I do speaking engagements, often the question is, how can I advocate for myself? I feel like my doctor's not listening to me. They don't see me. And I always start with an answer that people that often surprise people. I first say, did, did you tell that provider that you're not, you don't feel heard, that you don't feel listened to? Because I do believe in, you know, curiosity and, and giving grace because bias is a part of all of our lives. Mm-hmm. And we have all had experiences where we are really intentional and we think we're doing the best thing possible, but that is not received on the opposite end. And so leaning into first sharing with that clinician, you don't hear me. I don't feel like you're listening to me because that is currently the client, the the landscape for a lot of individuals seeking care. Now, if you still are not being heard or seen, I encourage my patients to say, tell me why you decided this diagnosis. Tell Mm -hmm. me why you've decided this treatment plan and, and, and get, and be able to get the information of what was ruled in and what was ruled out, because I think that is powerful for the patient. And if you still are not being heard, that's when I encourage you, of course, to continue to seek care, but we need to invest in clinicians really having a, internal look at their own bias because we all have it. And that really um, is disruptive or prohibitive to being able to achieve health equity. It is hard. I mean, and it's hard. These systems have been in place forever. Um, And even though I, I, I am an optimistic person, I want to be optimistic that things are changing and, and they are, but I would say far too slowly. I wanted to actually, since we have you, um, ask you about the most recent study in the area of women's health. So this is coming straight out of Davos, and it's talking about that if we close the women's health care gap, the health gap in women's health, that we would be adding one trillion dollars to the global economy. So just an absolutely stunning number, yet the investment in women's health historically has been woefully low. So maybe perhaps maybe we could just start on women's health, where we are, current state, and you know, a trillion dollars of opportunity is, is amazing. What is that opportunity? What is the gap? So, you know, when we look at that underfunding that has historically been happening in women's health, and then that forecast of what's to come and how it could close that gap, we need to really be mindful in how we plan to dissect that. Because if we're if we're not, we're going to continue this overlay of not really making progress with women's health. What do I mean by this? You know, the study did mention women having to take time off from work because of poor um, poor health outcomes. Why did those poor health outcomes occur? It was not being heard, bias, misdiagnosis, and the inability to really think about the health conditions that we are labeled with or associated with. Example, our periods or the diagnosis endometriosis. That isn't just something that we should just have to deal with. 
I, I talk about this in one of my videos that, you know, we often hear about period pain and this dismissal that, well, that's just your period. That's just what you should deal with. Well, we are missing the mark because first of all, that language shouldn't even be a part of it. And the mm -hmm. second thing is we know data has supported that could be endometriosis, that could be fibroids, that could be all of these other factors. And so to round this out, when we talk about this investment, my hope is if we really want to make strides in women's health, we need to look at how we're going to invest that into women's health, how we're going to uncouple or unroof these associations that are mm -hmm. the current climate with women's health, because that is how we're going to really um, give women the support and the health care that they deserve. Yep. But we... Are you optimistic about it? So, so I guess I I, um, I I want to be optimistic. If we look at the funding in women's health, you know, in digital health companies that have been out there, it's been billions of dollars spent over the past couple of years in um, digital health. But we've seen from 2021, where there was 7.7% of investment going to women's health companies, just last year in 2023, of all the funding out there, it's now at 2.7%. So surprisingly, we've seen this, you know, uh, lessening by a very significant amount. So that gives me pause in terms of the reality. Um, and, I, and I don't want to be pessimistic, but how should we, what do you think the important things are to do to turn around that reality of declining funding? Well, I'm optimistic in respect to the amount of women innovators and entrepreneurs that are just really coming up with, and I don't even want to say coming up with, they've had these products, yeah. but really just making traction and, and putting these forward. And so what we need to do is continue to find ways to invest in these, in, in women and the products that they're trying to put forward. So that means breaking down the barriers, uh, destigmatizing some of the associations that we, we have with women and entrepreneurs and health. And I think that can be what, could, what what will change that trajectory in hopes that we can have another upward trend of um, women's health continuing to get funding and understanding that it is crucial if we want to really have a global financial strength in the U.S. and around the world, then we need to invest in women's health. Well, I think in terms of innovators, I'm looking at one. And so, um, I, you know, I wanted to just ask you about your personal story as a physician. So incredibly educated, you know what you're doing in navigating the world of healthcare as you deliver care. And yet you personally experienced racial bias um, and discrimination in your own healthcare journey in the area of maternal health. Would you mind just talking about that experience from the context of it can happen to even someone like you? Yes. And you know, when we talk about health equity, often, whether it's maternal mortality or a wide variety of topics, access is often socialized as the all be all. And, you know, access is important, but for me, sharing what happened to me really disrupts that notion and flips the script. And so 
you know, I am a family medicine physician. I have two children and I had just had my second uh, baby and I had just come out of the operating room. And Lori, I knew something wasn't right. I knew I didn't feel the same way I did two years ago with my first child. And I remember having difficulty speaking and concentrating and just felt pure exhaustion. I shared that with my nurse and she said, bio, everything looks fine. Your vital signs look fine. This is normal. And so I let it kind of just continue, but then it just continued to get worse. And so I reached out to her again and I said, something's wrong. Please call my doctor. And I want to highlight, I actually said that twice, even on the first time. And she said, nope, everything's fine, bio, just you, you will be fine. So I reached out to my husband who was right by my side. And I said, I need you to call my doctor. And luckily doctor to doctor, I had his phone uh, phone number and my cell phone. So my husband called and said, something's wrong with bio. You need to come in and see her. So he came and he knew I'm a spry individual. This energy that I have is always, and, and he knew I wasn't myself. And he took me back to the operating room and I was bleeding internally. And so I got transfused multiple units. I was hospitalized for two weeks and I almost passed away. And so I share this story because I had the most access in the world. We hear about access from Serena Williams to all of these amazing people as a doctor, a medical director. I wasn't heard. I wasn't seen and I wasn't taken seriously. So it was really important to me, even through all of this work that I've done, I thought I need to share this story because I hope it can save a life. It can sit, take a new perspective on this topic that this goes beyond access. This is about bias. This is about representation. This is about listening to your patient and 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 not taking in your own thoughts of what could be happening. So I hope by sharing that story, I can help save, you know, someone else. It's a um it's an incredible story. It's incredibly personal, and I so appreciate you sharing it. I can see the pain of it. Um, and just asking you to relive it. Um, and so thank you for that. Um, and just, I do think it is important to be so clear. These are not just statistics. These are people, their person, and that for you as somebody who understands the healthcare system as you do, as a physician, to still not be heard and almost to have cost your life. Now I'm choking up. And so <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to move on. But thank you for that. Thank you Absolutely. for that. Absolutely. You know um, Go, go I was going to say one more thing. It's interesting. Um, you know, when I decided to share my story, it's amazing the amount of women that have reached out and shared, you know, that they had a, a situation. And I think the more we can, when we talk about health literacy, 
the more we can share these stories, the more people can have an imagery of, of this statistic because we hear about Black women dying three to one. And people often say, oh, that's happening. Why? Or is that really happening? But when you share your story and they can see someone in front of them that this happened to, it really helps elevate it in a way that I hope can produce change. I, um, I agree with you. It is, I mean, it's one thing to have the polished version of the, whether it's how I got here or, you know, um, where things are, um, today, it's another thing to be in that moment. I mean, this is where I think change happens when people can relate to the moment when this is what dire looks like, this is the consequence that comes with not listening to the patient. This is real and it's recent, it's recent. It's not, this is not from the time of your father. This is the time of your own child. You know, Bio, I wanna close out on um, this incredible conversation. I mean, you do so much to um, be that voice of trust for your patients to save lives. If you could just turn some of your comments to that next young woman who also wants to live a life of service, that wants to be a leader um, as you are, what advice would you give her? First, I would say, believe in yourself, because when you create that internal playbook of believing in yourself, it really helps you create that roadmap for serving others or for whatever that you, for whatever things that you would like to do. So first, believe in yourself. Second, Think about what things feed your soul when it comes to servitude or whatever you'd like to achieve, and then memorialize it, write it down, say it out loud, whatever you need to make it concrete, and then continue to focus on that. And remember, when you have those setbacks, think about that internal dialogue of believing in you because you'll have people around you that may doubt you or, or challenge you. But if you can keep that core strong and remember how to believe in yourself and remember why you chose to do what you want to do, you can continue, you, you will make it. <laughs> and so I, I share that and help others. That's the other piece. We all have challenges and so forth. So as you are giving love to yourself, give love to others and create that, that community. Well, that is, um, beyond great advice, um, beyond clinical walls, as yeah. you would say, and yeah. um, a great way to close out this conversation. Thank you so much for this inspiring women conversation. I've been talking to Dr. Bayou, Curry Winchell, Dr. BCW, and thank <laughs> you so very much. Thank you for having me, Lori. I appreciate that. <laughs> this has been an episode of Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw please subscribe, rate, and review. We are produced by Kate Cruz at Executive Podcast Solutions. More episodes can be found on inspiringwomen.show. I am Lori McGraw, and thank you for listening.